church. Merry Christmas. Come on. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. We'll get together sooner or later. Man, it is great to be back here with you. I love the fact that we come and celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as a church. Church, it is Sunday. What does that mean? It is absolutely our fun day. And the fact that we're here on Christmas Eve levels up, if you know what I'm saying. You with me on that? It levels it right up. You know, you looked around us when you came in today, we have lights all over the place. You know, you come into the foyer, they're in the back, they're up front, they're in trees, they're all over the place. But there is one light on today that is absolutely amazing. Come on. Come on. Now, if you are joining us today, if this is your guest with us today, welcome, welcome to Vertical Church, man. Hope you figured out we're all about Jesus. But yeah, give it up for our guest, church. We're all about Jesus in this place, and our mission as a church is to make more and better disciples of Jesus Christ. So when you come in on a Sunday, today's Sunday, you come in and you see that light on, that means someone this week surrendered life to Jesus Christ, made him the Lord of their life. Come on. Come on. That was number 43 this year for Vertical. Praise Jesus for that. Praise Jesus for that. I got to tell you. It was after second service, it was so sweet to watch a young boy sit there, back right in this space over here, pray with his mom and dad, and all of them were crying as he gave his life to Christ. Man, we're all about Jesus. Come on. Come on. On a side note, when you came in, Dre talked about this a little bit earlier. You have a card on your seat. As we draw to the close to the, close of the year and we flip in our calendars, we sometimes look for that fresh start, that new start. I want to encourage you to all come back next week as we kick into our new series called Reset, 9 or 11. Next week, we're back in the morning. Just want to throw that out, that we're back in the morning, uh, 9 or 11. You know, because every once in a while, we start going down a path in life that seems to be offbeat. Things, we're not paying attention to what's happening, we make some decisions in life, and sometimes we just keep on going in a, a direction like, uh-oh, how did I get here? Because as soon we make a decision here, we're like, that's no big deal. But get down the road sometimes, we're way over here, like we need to reset. So I want to encourage you to come back and be a part of this series, because we're going to hit the reset button. What does God want from us? What is coming up in this next year that we can be planning to get the best year that God has for each and every one of us? Bring, bring your friends, come back yourself. We'd love to have you with us as we get into that series. But tonight, we celebrate the birth of our Savior. Tonight, we talk about Jesus Christ. Tonight, we wrap up our series, Unexpected Christmas. You know, we've been talking about this series for the last three weeks, and if, if the last several years have taught us anything, is that we need to be prepared for the unexpected. See, the unexpected in life teaches us that many times our assumptions are dangerous. You know, we have our plans, we have our ideas, what we want to accomplish, but it always comes back to what God has planned in our lives. See, sometimes we see these unexpected things as limitations in life. We have our plans, and if they don't go the way we want, it must be wrong. We, have, we want to go this direction. We hit a limitation. We're like, this must not be the right way. Someone has made some decisions for me that, you know what I'm saying? They're limitations. You know, I, I, a few years ago, I, I heard a phrase that pulls the unexpected in life into perspective for me, and I want to share it with you tonight, and it's this. When the unexpected hits, look to where God is working, not where he is limiting. 
Look to where God is working, not where he's limiting, meaning that when it hits, when things hit our lives that we weren't ready for, we weren't prepared for, so many times we're sitting at this moment looking, I don't know where to go from here, and when this is an interruption of my life, and what he's saying is, okay, stop. Maybe look over to the left. Maybe look over to the right. That's where God is working. If God is working there, maybe we should embrace that and not see it as a limitation. Move to where God is working because there's no better place for us to be as his children than is in his will, right? So we take the idea that God is working in certain areas. We bring this back to this series about unexpected Christmas and especially focusing on this first Christmas season. It starts to make sense. See, the Jewish nation, God's chosen people, were told over and over again that God was going to send the one who was going to change everything. He was going to send the Messiah, the anointed one. They read about it as family in the Old Testament scripture. They studied it as a family, and they memorized chunks and said, he's going to send the one to redeem his people. But as I shared last week, something got lost in translation. See, how Jesus arrived was unexpected, his family tree. How his plan to save all humanity, not just the Jewish people, was unexpected. And how he did it was completely unexpected. But what completely catches me off guard when it comes to Jesus was the response of his people when he arrived. His re- the reception of their Savior was completely unexpected if you read Scripture. See, something amazing happened. A miracle took place right in front of them. But because they were not looking where God was working, they were seeing things in front of them as a limitation, they absolutely missed Jesus. They missed Jesus. They missed their response to the King Jesus' arrival was rather interesting. So tonight we're going to look through a part of the birth of Jesus' story that reveals this truth. Now listen, when I say story, when I say Bible or Bible story, I want to be very clear that you know that I am not talking about a Christmas fable. I'm talking about real people who lived in a real time and real history, who responded to Jesus' arrival in a real way, and it's something you and I can learn tonight. Look at on the screen, Matthew chapter 2, we're starting at verse 1 this evening. This is after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, During the time of King Herod, Magi, or the wise men from the east, came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star, and it rose, and I have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem was with him. Verse 4, it says, When he called together all the people, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, he asked them, Where is the Messiah to be born? In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied. For it is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel." Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. 
verse 10, it says, then, then they saw the star, and they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. And they opened up the treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And they have been warned by a dream not to go back to Herod by the Holy Spirit. They took another route home. Let's just stop right there. That's just a piece of Jesus' birth. But when I read this, if you know me, and we have a lot of conversations on a Sunday morning, I go to Scripture, and I may ask a lot of questions. Like, what is God trying to reveal to us here? What is he showing us here? And I think as we read these verses, I see three responses to the king's arrival. Three responses to how they did there, and three responses that directly impact us as people 2,000 years later. And the first response is this. It's very clear. The first response was disturbed. Disturbed. The king was disturbed. Look at this. Look back at verse 3. It says, when King Herod heard, heard this, he was what? Say it with me. He was disturbed. And all Jerusalem with him. That's crazy. When the king heard that the King Jesus was born, he was deeply disturbed, meaning that from every emotion, from being unsettled, turmoil inside, deep agitations, he was disturbed. Scholars disagree if Herod was half Jew or not, but if he was truly devoted to Scripture and to Jewish faith, he should have been greatly rejoiced to hear that the Savior had been born, but that didn't happen. His response to the King Jesus being born was one of rejection. Because Jew or not Jew, Jesus threatened his personal kingdom. If Jesus was the king of kings, that means Herod was really not in charge and sits on top of absolutely nothing. Jesus threatened all that he reigned over to be taken away, and that greatly troubled him. Now, in fact, if you fast forward to verse 16, you can see how much this troubled him. Look at this. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, I love that word, outwitted. Outwitted by the Magi, he was furious. Look at this. He gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years and under in accordance with the time they had learned from the Magi. Come on. That is crazy. He was so upset that King Jesus had arrived, he had in his mind to take all the boys out in the vicinity to remove this guy that could take over his throne. Now let's bring this back to us. Being king over our own lives is very empowering. Not being told what to do or how to live is pretty much the manifesto of man. Kind. Let me just take a quick survey with everybody in the room. Who here likes to be told what to do? Raise your hand and show me. Come on. No one likes to be told what to do. Why? Because we like being on top. We like being in charge. We like sitting in the throne seat of our own lives, making our own decision. And when we... When we hear there's a king above all things and his name is Jesus, sometimes we get greatly disturbed too. Many to this day, 2,000 years later, hear the name of Jesus. He is the king over all things, hold all things together. And he says, colonies in charge. We're like, people are like, no thank you. I don't need that guy ruling and leading my 
life. Response number one, when people hear the name of Jesus, that he's king, they get disturbed. Response number two, look at this. The second one is disinterested. They were disinterested. Herod brought his chief priests and the teachers of law together, and it says, okay, guys, tell me. Tell me where this Jesus was born. And their response was simple, in Bethlehem. But then, friends, you got to understand this, but then they quoted scripture from the prophet Micah that was proclaimed this truth almost 700 years before Jesus was born. Look what it says. It says, but you, in verse 6, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means the least among the rulers, for out for you will come a ruler who will be a shepherd for my people. What we need to understand, he brought the chief priests, the people of the law, the the intellectual pastime for these guys was to know the scripture inside and out. They understood, they believed that God was going to send the Messiah, but when it happened, where were they? They were with the king. They were by his side. They weren't running through the fields. They weren't looking for, seeking for Jesus. They were by saying, listen, oh, okay, okay, oh yeah, this guy, the people say he's the Messiah, sure. Let's not get all crazy about this. Could you imagine? 700 years ago, someone proclaimed the Messiah was coming. The Messiah came and they're like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, they said, said it in scripture. Friends, that is someone who is disinterested. Disinterested to what, who Jesus is and he actually came. And I think for the last 2,000 years, we're still dealing with just that. The, the word of God is proclaimed, the, the good news of the gospel is proclaimed, and people are generally, generally disinterested. They don't want to embrace him. They don't care about his message. They don't care about salvation. They're like, it sounds good to me, but that's all for you. No thank you. Several years ago, I gave my brother a copy of this book. It's, it's, it's by Andy Stanley, and it says, Since Nobody's Perfect, How Good is Good Enough? And I asked my brother, I said, John, would you, would you do me a favor? And we gave him a Thanksgiving. I said, would you read this book? It talks about different religions. It talks about Jesus and what it means to have a relationship with him. Would you read it? I mean, it's, you can read it. It's 80 pages, dude. Could you read this, and can we talk at Christmas? And he said, yeah, I could do that. I could do that for you. Great. Christmas came. We're all having a good time. It's just John and I and my mom and dad's, my childhood home in the living room. And I'm talking to him. saying, hey, John, did you read that book? He said, yeah, I read that book. In fact, I sat down and read it right through. I said, okay, okay what, did you, what did you catch? And he says, well, it sounds like he says that we're all sinners, and uh, the only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ. We need to surrender our lives to him to make him the Lord of our life. That's the only way we can spend eternity with God. I'm like, yeah, baby. Come on. Come on. I said, John, that's absolutely correct. You're crazy, man. That's awesome. I've been talking about this for years. Hey, what do you want? Do you want to have a conversation about it? What are your next steps? Do you have questions for me? He goes, no. That's Okay. It's not for me. Now, how plain the gospel is 
or how much is proclaimed, people will hear it and become completely disinterested the grace, the truth for themselves. Friends, that was 10 years ago or so, and I'm still praying for my brother. I'm still praying that he accepts Jesus. He heard the truth. He knows the truth. But I'm praying that God opens his eyes, that, that disinterest goes out of his life. And then he grabs a hold of this last response that we see in Scripture. It's very simple, devoted. Disturbed, disinterested, and devoted. Look at this, what it says, the Magi sent out to find the baby Jesus. And then we read, and look at verse 10. It says, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And coming to the house, they saw the child with their mother Mary, and they bowed down and they worshiped him. Come on. They walked in and they saw the Savior of the world. They were overjoyed inside. And what they do? They bowed down their life and they worshiped him. Friends, these guys left their homes. They traveled for months, not knowing where they were going. But when they arrived, they knew exactly what they had to do. Here's the truth for us. We don't bow down. And we don't worship anything unless there's a moment of surrender before it. These guys recognized the authority and the majesty of Jesus and made the decision right there, right then, to bend their knees. In order for any one of us to truly recognize Jesus' authority over our lives, there needs to be a moment for us that we are bowing down, that we are surrendering, and we are worshiping him, King Jesus that we're willing to step aside and give him the throne seat of our lives and say, you lead us. I am all yours. One simple message. Several verses that point to three responses. Three responses I mean, if I'm being honest, have echoed for generations for the last 2,000 years. And friends, I need to ask you, just be, just be honest with you. How will you respond to Jesus today? How will you respond to Jesus? I just read scripture about who he is and other people responded. How will you choose to respond? Will you be disturbed? Will you be offended by Jesus? We just reject him because you want the throne seat of your life? You want your own personal kingdom? Will you be disinterested? Will you hear the truth of a Savior's love for you? where God became man, living a perfect life, dying a brutal death on the cross, and my rejection of him, he defeated the grave three days later. So in our faith and surrender our life to him, we'll, he changes everything. We hear all that truth, and we were like, yeah, that's okay. 
That's not for me. That's just a feel-good story. Or will you be devoted? Will you decide tonight, maybe for the first time in your life, to bend your knee to Jesus? Will you pray and ask for forgiveness? Will you bow down and surrender and worship? Will you bend down your knees to his authority and his majesty and his kingdom in your life today and for every day till you see him face to face? Will you allow that power and the truth of those simple verses 2,000 years ago change your life tonight and forever? You know, I'm sitting here thinking, there's a lot of people in this room, some who do not have that relationship, and right now you're, you're, you're shifting in your seat. You're, you're wondering if you're th- actually thanking your friend for inviting you to Christmas Eve service. Thanks, I appreciate it. But there's also a bunch of people of the room who have Jesus in your life. You have given Christ your life. These responses matter to us tonight too. We too must make the decision. Will we be disturbed by Jesus wanting complete control of our lives? That when we read scripture that's something we don't like to hear or want to deal with, are we going to rip it out of our Bible and throw it away or are we going to obey the word? Are we going to get frustrated for him leading us through hard times? Say, okay, I have the best for you, the best life for you. Will we just reject it? Even if it's the best possible life, will we reject it? Because believe it or not, that still happens with Christians today. They know the truth. We know the truth. Will you be disinterested? Are you just happy where life is? You're like, I got my get in heaven free card, so everything's good. Why do I need to challenge my life anymore? You know, I don't need any more Jesus, because, you know, that's getting a little rough. I like smooth sailing. Or, will you be devoted, church? When you wake up tomorrow morning, and your feet hit the ground, will you be praising Jesus, telling him, God, I'm all in. I'm 100% all yours. I will follow you even when it's rough, even when it's tough, because I know you have the best life. Jesus says very clearly, these come to steal and destroy, but I have come to give them life, life to the full, abundant life, the best possible life. Here, and now and for heaven forever, will you just surrender to that? Will you choose to be devoted? See, it doesn't matter where you're at. Every single one of us in this room have to make a decision tonight. How are we going to respond to Jesus? Disturbed? 
disinterested, are devoted. See the beauty of this? I just shared it. The decision is all yours. How will this Christmas be for you? Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you for blessing us so much through Jesus Christ. God, I think about all of us in this room. Decisions that need to be made. What you're asking us to do. Lord, I just pray tonight, if there's anybody in this room who does not know you, that today is the day that their life is changed forever. That they'll find one of us pastors, they'll find one of us leaders, and they'll get sit down with their family member who's with them, and they'll stop and they'll pray and they'll surrender their life to you. May today be the best Christmas Eve ever for them. And for the rest of us, Lord, may we be challenged how we respond to you, your desire to work in our life. I pray that's one of devotion. I know that you, that's what you desire for your church, your children. And as we wake up tomorrow morning and celebrate Christmas together with our family or friends or whatever it may be, may we just look up and just say, Jesus, I'm all in, baby. I'm all yours. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Church, when you leave tonight, we have one more song, but when you leave tonight, every family is going to get a copy of this book. Every family, not everyone, every family. Your challenge to take this book and read it. Read it for yourself. Read it together with your family, and then maybe hand it to someone that you know that needs Jesus in their life. Let it be the, the catalyst that changes this year for you. God bless.